0: you thought it would be like christmas week or something everybody's a little still tired maybe a little food coma how's everybody doing this morning (laughs) it's good to see everybody uh and like my amazing beautiful wife said uh we are here actually i'm nathaniel snyder many of you know me as nate we're on staff as your lead pastors and we are just super honored to be a part of what god's doing here the team the staff the all everybody that makes this happen couldn't be just uh more blessed more honored and so um yeah, so how's everybody doing? We had a good Christmas. What? Uh, this is my favorite time of year. Anybody else? Is this your favorite time of the year? Anybody else? Good, good, good. Anybody Anybody get anything like this? Anybody get anything like this this week? Big boxes. Maybe many of you even in uh, Orange County had a room full of boxes for your family and for your friends. But uh, just my favorite time of the year, like I said, Christmas time. No other time like it. And uh, so just excited to be here. But let's uh, as we get into the Word of God today, You know, uh, I'm not, my faith is not in my ability to preach. My faith is in his ability to show up where there are two or three gathered in his name. Amen? Amen. And I think we've got more than two or three. Oh, there we go. Now my mic's back on. We've got more than two or three in this place this morning. So, and anybody here in the name of Jesus Christ, anybody come this morning expecting? Anybody come just wanting uh, more of him, more of his presence? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father. We come before you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the name above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Lord, we thank you so much for that name. And Jesus Christ, we just thank you for this season that we celebrate you, God, the gift that you've given us. And Lord, so we just ask today, while we're in your presence and we're in the presence of one another, that you would uh, just show up and God show off as you only do. Lord, that you would change us. Lord, that you would draw us closer to you. We love you, God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen. And so, um, as always, opening presents, just the other, if that's for me, just let them take a message. No. (laughs) I had a professor once who actually would stop and make you answer the phone and carry out the conversation in front of everybody. So I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. (laughs) Make sure your phones are in silence, please. (laughs) But anyways um, opening my presents that, how many of you got presents on Friday, Christmas? We all got a present, we all got something from somebody who loves us dearly, but opening my presents, uh, on Friday, and I just was, I just flashed back into my childhood. Does anybody else do that? It doesn't matter how old you get, you're still, when it's Christmas morning, you're a kid, right? You're a kid, and my mind flashed back to whenever I was a kid, and of course, you know, we would open our presents, and, you know, uh, I had brothers and sisters, and so, or I had a brother and a sister. I've got an older sister. Her name is Nellie. She's amazing. Uh, we grew up uh, kind of hating each other. It was a love-hate relationship. We hated each other until she uh, moved out and went to college, and then all of a sudden it was like I, I showed up in her life, and she loved me. I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. And I have a younger brother. He's, he's two years younger than I. His name is uh, Nick Snyder. So we had Nellie Nelly Joe Snyder and Nathaniel James Snyder and Nicholas John Snyder. So it was crazy in our house. And uh, so like any other family who had siblings, you become very territorial, right? And I remember when we would open our presents, we'd run down to the tree and we would open all of our presents. And then I remember kind of like this inventory at the end of the, at the end of the like tearing paper off session, right? You want to make sure you collect all that's yours. And so I remember we would take the biggest present that we would get and we would take the box, maybe the lid, maybe the box itself. And we would kind of take inventory and stack everything inside of that box that had been ours if it was clothes, if it was Legos, if it was trucks, if it was whatever it was, the inventory was taken to make sure you had all that was yours, right? And as I was flashing back to my childhood, just this last Christmas, I was thinking of the inventory that I took physically, but then all of a sudden I started to take inventory of what God had done in my life. Those are the most important things to take inventory on. And I remember that... As an eight-year-old boy, I was at a camp for Royal Rangers. I don't know if any of you know have heard of Royal Rangers. It was like the Boy Scouts of the Christian world. And um, I was at a Royal Ranger camp and I can remember sitting on a log and I remember hearing this gentleman talking about that we had all made mistakes and that we all needed this person named Jesus to forgive us of those mistakes. We had all been uh, disobedient to our parents and we had all told little white lies and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I feel myself getting lower and lower on that log. And, you know, it's nighttime and it's cold and we're all trying to huddle around this campfire and I feel myself just being kind of, you know, that weight of like, oh my goodness, that's me. Like, I've, disobeyed my parents when they've asked me to clean up my room i've told little white lies you know and all of a sudden as a little eight-year-old boy i remember realizing that i needed jesus christ in my life taking inventory of what god had done in my life in that camp on that camp at that camp that summer i gave my life to jesus christ as an eight-year-old boy sitting on a log and fast forward for a few years and uh, at the age of 13 i don't know how my dad legally did this but i started working for my dad's company and uh, he is a general contractor, and and so I I was just a laborer You know, I would like sweep and clean. And uh, you know, I remember hearing my dad say to me, you know, Nathaniel, if I ever see you with your hands in your pockets, so ch- I'll try to keep my hands out of my pockets. But I-, I wasn't allowed to do it as a child, so I do it all the time now. <laughs> he said, if I or any of my customers ever see you with your hands in your pocket or sitting down, I will fire you on the spot. So I started working for my dad, learned how to work, and. Uh, didn't put my hands in my pockets, didn't sit down, and, sorry, (laughs) always look busy, (laughs) that's what my dad told me, you're going to, you'll understand where I'm getting to with that, but um, I learned how to work, and uh, I appreciate work, and I appreciate accomplishing things, and, um, you know, just excited to be here with you all, and working to accomplish something great, but as a 13-year-old boy, I worked for my dad's company, and there was lots of uh, just influences in my life that worked with that company that were christian men and i remember one person in particular though in my life in my childhood that impacted me greatly was my grandfather he was a pastor and i remember watching him as a little man as a little man as a a young man just going up and down the pew and talking with congregants and just you know thinking to myself how does how does how does a man how does a man carry himself with with this responsibility and I didn't know what was going on as a young man. I didn't realize what God was starting to prick at my heart. But how does, how does, how, how? I just kept asking myself that question, how? And fast forward a little bit further on in my life. I graduated high school and uh, I went to college. Actually, I went to Penn State. So where's George Haynes? He's a fellow Penn Stater. <laughs> Sorry, those of you that are in California, we do have the best schools in Pennsylvania. no. <laughs> And um, I remember the reason I went to Penn State was to, you know, make money and, you know, maybe take over my dad's company and just I really, you know, had just kind of gone through the motions. You know, everybody has this American dream, and why not me? And so um, I remember going to Penn State, and I remember uh, I was in my junior year for electrical engineering, and I get a phone call from my mother, and my mother says, um, Nate. Your brother has made a big decision in his life, and I'm like, oh wow, what has Nick done? I mean, he's really, you know, he's two years younger than me. Sometimes, you know, your younger siblings, you just, you know, you don't think they really do anything great or amazing. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's just kind of like they're always trying to live up to you. No, he's an amazing young man. He's he's awesome. I love my brother, and but he always wanted to be an architect. He always wanted to be an engineer. And so I'm thinking like, okay, so Nick's, you know, I mean, he accomplished some amazing things as a, as a young man in high school, he got better grades than I did. He, uh, he's just, he's brilliant. And so I'm on the phone with my mom and my mom says, your brother wants to go be a youth pastor. And I'm like, what? My brother wants to be a youth pastor. I'm like, Nick is like smart and he's intelligent. And what does he want to be a youth pastor for? This is me being just, you know, I'm, I'm at Penn state, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, how you parents that have kids that are in college, you know what it's all like, right? You know what it's all about. We're just trying to find ourselves. All of a sudden, I walk away from that phone conversation with my mom, and it felt as if I had to take inventory. I just felt this, like, I don't, there was just something in my heart that was like, (gasps) what's my calling in life? And I'd never really dealt with that question yet. I had just gone through the motions, gone through the expectations of trying to live up to my parents and live up to maybe even my dad's name as a general contractor and as a builder and as a person in the community. And all of a sudden, this just, it just hit me. Like, What, God, is your purpose in my life? As I started in, over Christmas thinking of all those things, this moment in my life stuck out to me. That at that point, it was as if I started taking inventory and asking that question, God, what do you want to do with this person? Because I had grown up religious. I had grown up in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad now actually pastors the church that my grandfather was in. So I knew all the right answers. I knew the scriptures. I knew the Bible stories. I grew up with felt Jesus. And, you know, we would throw him at the felt board to, you know, if you want to see a miracle of Jesus, let's see if you can fly and hit the felt board. I mean, I grew up in church. My grandmother was my Sunday school teacher. And all of a sudden, I had never faced God, as Pastor Phil said last week. When you get in the face of God, it starts to do things. When you get in his presence, it starts to do things. Whenever I would come home for holidays uh, from school, I would work with my dad's company. And I remember riding in a truck, speaking of inventory, another amazing time in my life where I sensed God. I was riding in a truck with a gentleman who uh, was an evangelist, and he would speak in other churches, and he worked for my dad's company. That's what he did. That's how he made his living, and he was across the seat from me, and he looked at me, and he said, God wants you to know that you're not where he wants you to be. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever had that moment where somebody speaks into your life? Thank the Lord. See, God had already started stirring things back when my mom had talked to me about my brother, but all of a sudden, I knew what was, you know, You know where you're not supposed to be at. You know what you're not supposed to be doing. And you know, sometimes we we like to point the finger at that person and be like, that was, you did this to me. No, no, see, God started doing all of that before. He knows your heart and he knows everything about you. He knows the giftings and the purposes and the callings for you. And here I am sitting in a truck going to work on a job over Thanksgiving. And the gentleman says to me, you're not where God wants you to be at. And I had already known that. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? He said, stop pretending. What does that mean? <laughs> See, I knew what it meant, though. I knew what it meant. See, God never really asks you a question for to get the answer. He already knows the answer. He just wants us to realize what the answer is. I knew I had to stop being somebody that I wasn't and be somebody who God called me to be. Fast forward to Christmas Eve of 2000, um, and I was... 20 years old, and um, the, we continued to work, and the gentleman I was working with said to me, hey, he's like, I want to pray with you sometime, I said, cool, we can pray, and so we go on, I go back to school, I come back for Christmas break, and um, I'm working with my dad's company again, and we're talking about Jesus, and talking about what God wants to do, and you know, what he's doing in our area, and how am I, how do I fit into this, and so I remember at my dad's house, we were, uh, there's the shop for his company, And, um, the guys would show up occasionally to get stuff, get materials, get things, get tools, and then they would go to a job. And I remember it was Christmas Eve and I remember I was, you know, it's cold, it's Pennsylvania, you know, you don't really go outside for much in the wintertime unless you absolutely have to. Uh, and I remember seeing a a truck pull into the shop and I was like, wait, what's going on? And here I, it was this gentleman who, who had told me that I wasn't where God needed me to be and that he wanted to pray for me. And so, um... I said, I, said, uh, I said to myself, oh, I want to go back and see if he, you know, maybe he wants to come pray with us. So I ran back, grabbed the gentleman. I said, hey, you know, you said you wanted to pray for us. What are you doing here? He's like, well, I'm working on a little project for my wife and um, just needed some stuff. Came to stop by and I said, well, come pray with me. So we came in and sat down in my dad's garage. My dad, who being a man of God, full of the Holy Spirit, me having no idea what was about to happen, God showed up and touched two young men, myself and my brother, And like never before my life from that point, you would say, well, what happened to God? You know, was it like a lightning bolt? Was it, you know, did you pass out? Did you listen? I only know this. The spirit of God touched me and I went away from that encounter with God with a desire to seek him like never before. A desire to be in his word. A desire to be in his presence. A desire to give myself to him and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? It's not mine anymore. I've messed it up. I was a young person in college. The thing was, I, when I did a lot of crazy stuff until I was 20, and then I stopped after that. And it was like, God, what do you want to do with this person? It's not my life anymore. It's yours. <clears throat> Fast forward to 2008. I, during the, those years, I felt called to ministry and stayed volunteering in a church and learned how to play music and preach sermons. And they were really bad. I can remember the first sermon I preached was about David and Goliath, and I think it lasted eight, eight minutes. So you guys are you're all in for a better one. I'm already over eight minutes. <clears throat> and feeling God called me to ministry, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so fa- I, I moved to California to go to Vanguard to pursue the call of God on my life and Christian leadership and ministry. And I get involved in a, in a local church just volunteering. Meet my amazing wife, Erica, volunteering in the youth ministry. Young people, I want you to know this run hard after God, abandoned to him, and you will find the people in your life that are important. You will find the God people as you're running hard after God. You don't need to chase them down. I heard a pastor say to me, life is like a freeway, and there's exits for wherever you want to get off. There's all kinds of signs that'll say, go to this attraction, eat at this restaurant, meet these people, do these things. And he said, but the thing is, you're tempted to exit, but if you'll stay on the, on the freeway, All of a sudden, as you continue to head towards what God has, the destiny that God has for you, the things that God wants for you will enter onto that freeway with you. And I can tell you that's what God will do. If you will trust in him and live abandoned to him, he will put the things, because he wants them more for your life than you want them. Do you believe that? God says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of hope and of of, of a future and success he's not planned ill or evil for us. You know, we go around sometimes thinking that we got to go do this and we got to accomplish this. And listen, if we will go hard after God and every doorway that he would open, if it would be to go to school, to get your education, to to pursue a, a career, listen, he'll put the things in front of you. He'll open doors. And if you'll jump boldly through them with both feet, he wants you to succeed. You know, the, the baby boomers in my dad's generation, many of them grew up thinking that God was just out waiting with like a whack a mole, right? The whack a mole hammer, just waiting, and you pop up. That's not. God is wanting to do things to his people. He's only ever partnered with human beings to accomplish his will. And so today, if I could title the message that I would, that I feel God has laid on my heart, I would say, No more excuses. All things new. No more excuses, all things new. Because Jesus Christ told a story in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, about three gentlemen who were called upon to give an account. They were called upon to take inventory. And you know, this is kind of the last Sunday of the year, and there's this subconsciously we all start taking inventory, right? We all start looking back over the year and we're like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten this. Maybe I should have, you know, cut out the sugars. Maybe I should have, you know, we all start, and then we, we start doing the good things too. Wow, I did this, while I accomplished that. While I, and, you know, we start taking inventory. But in this parable that Jesus talks about, he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. Whenever you, you start to hear those words, let it perk your ears because the kingdom of heaven is here, right? It's here, it's among us. That's why Jesus Christ came, so the kingdom of heaven could be, that we can have access to it. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There was a man who was getting ready to go on a long journey. And before he went on this journey, he called himself his servants. Now, the amazing thing is, he didn't just go out on the street and say, hey, fellas, I need you to come here. He didn't say to his family members, well, you know, I hope they don't mess this up. But here, let me just trust them with this. He said his servants, there's there's an association with them. They, there's, a recon, there's a, he recognizes them. There's a connection with them. They're his, they're his servants. You know, Jesus said this, that I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends because I've, because I've made known the will of God to you. I've made known the will of the father to you. So I want you to know this, that we sitting here today that have said, Jesus Christ, I want to live for you. I want God to take my life and use me. I'm yours. We here in the sound of my voice have a connection with God. We're his servants. We're his friends. He calls us even more importantly than that. Or his family. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we can have access. We can have relationship. And so this man calls his servants and he says, You know, I need to I'm gonna give you some things. I'm gonna give you of all of my possessions. I'm gonna split them up between the three of you. And he said the Jesus said he did it according to their abilities. So he knew them in the, he knew them in the sense that he knew how much each one could carry. He knew that he just couldn't divide it equally. You know, we all kind of want that, right? We all just, you know, kind of take, you know, we all just take an even piece of the pie and it'll all be eaten. But God knows us. He knows what we're able to carry. He knows what we're able to hold. And he, the master gave according to their abilities. And he gave to the first man, he gave him five talents. Now, Bible historians, you know, kind of go back and forth with how much, value the actual talent is it's let's just for today it's a it's a it's a way of measuring precious metals and so he gave to the first man he gave him five talents and he came and he gave to the second man two talents and he came and he gave to the last man the third man one talent all in their ability he knew them he knew what they would be able to carry he knew what they would be able to 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 be productive with and he entrusted them with it and the amazing thing is it says immediately he left and he went. So there was no time for instruction because that had all come before that, right? That had all come before this moment when he was getting ready to go on this journey and entrusting it with them. You know, sometimes we're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, God, you're going you're gonna to take care of this all, you know, right? Have you ever thought of that? I remember when I was a young man, I thought, you know, Jesus, I'll hear the trumpet sound and, and I'll get my life right, right then on the spot. I'll stop doing all the stuff I shouldn't be doing and I'll get right, right on that spot. But we live in a period of time where it's preparation time. Jesus is coming back for a bride who is made ready, prepared herself, adorned, ready for the time to stand before Jesus Christ. See, immediately he gave it and he left. Peace out, guys. Good luck. So you know there was a relationship here. He didn't have to say, well, let's take five months. I'm going to train you and it's going to be all good and well and then I'm going to leave. No, immediately he left. The Bible says the first man went with his five talents and he traded them and he put them to work. He knew what to do and he had gained five more. The next man like him went and took the two talents, put them to work, traded them and gained two more. So now the first person, how many talents does he have? He's got 10. (laughs) Oh, man, let me go back. No, don't worry. We're too far into this now. The first person's got 10 now. The second person's got how many more? Four. All right. woohoo! <laughs> Simple math. You guys are good. You're, you're going to join the accounting department. We're going to do big things. <laughs> the last person, he's got one. <laughs> She's going to preach the rest of my sermon. <laughs> She's got faith. He takes his talent, and he, the Bible says he digs in the ground, and he buries it. And a long time passes by. And all of a sudden, the master comes. And he's coming to take inventory. He's coming to settle the accounts. And he calls us. you know, I can almost see it. You know, if you and I were there that day, maybe we would even, you know, all of a sudden the messenger... You know, he's coming through town. You know, the master's coming, the service. Maybe even servant number five or servant number, servant number one with his ten talents. He's running as fast as he can. Maybe he even picked him up from LAX. And, you know, he went through all the traffic and he couldn't wait. To, he opened the door for his master. He gets in the car and it's like, how was it? He's just excited to tell all about what he had gained, right? I mean, I can almost see it. And probably trying to beat him to the airport is servant number two to pick up the master because he's done the same thing. You know, the amazing thing is, it's not in comparison to what the other person has, but it's what God has entrusted you with. Do you get that? See, your race is against you. It's not against anybody else. It's, in, it's against you and what God has trusted you with. Paul said he wanted to stand before God, having run the race and having accomplished all that he had called him to do. He wasn't running against Apollos. He wasn't running against the other apostles. His race was against him and who God had called him to be. But these men wanted to share with, what, with the master what they had gained. And so, of course, the master asking servant number one, where's the talents that I gave you? And he said, here they are, and here are five more. And what did he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in few faithful in few things. Let God, as he looks upon our life, and even as we come to the close of 2015, let him be able to say of each and every one of us, we have been faithful with few things. You know, many times we want to look at the, the big picture and we want, to, we want to accomplish all of it. And, you know, that's great. And it's, it, the dream that God has put in your heart, you, you've got to go after it. But it starts in the faithful with few things. Faithful in your devotion time. Faithful in your prayer time. Faithful in your with your wife and your spouse faithful with your faithful with your family the the small things You know many times we'll just tramp right over them and try to get to the next thing. You know what I mean? But be faithful in the few things because he wants you to be ruler over many things Jesus said in john chapter 28 That all power has been given unto him in heaven and earth Go unto all nations and make disciples. I was saying to drew this last week you know, the amazing thing is we want to go to the nations and make disciples. And we see all of these people crowded around. And we see us, you know, making disciples of them, be it in the marketplace. We see, you know, rooms of, of people that know finances. And we want to make. But can I tell you, it's the one. You've got to look at the one as the nation. If you will impact the one, you'll get the nation. What do you mean? If you'll impact that one person, if you'll focus on one person, faithful in the few, God will multiply it into the many. He will make you ruler over the many. That person, if you will look at that young person sitting in school, see them, youth pastors, and the generations that are to come because of you discipling one. See that person and the family that they're going to impact, the marketplace they're going to impact, the community that they're going to impact. As you pour into one, God makes you ruler over many. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in few. Be ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what God desires for all of us. That's what God desires for each and every one of us, that we would, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The same with us. The things and the trials and the tribulations that you go through in this life and during this, maybe even that you came through during 2015 has nothing to compare to the glory that God has set before for you. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the same with us. Let it be the joy that God has set before us that we would endure every trial and tribulation. That we would watch him be victorious in our lives. The second servant comes and he does the same. He hands his two talents and he says, Master, here's the two that you've trusted with me. And here, look, here's two more. And he said the same. You've been faithful in few. Be ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Maybe even if we saw this next servant, you know, he's been really slow to get to the party. You know, he's probably got his head down, maybe even kicking the shale. Maybe even the master has to look out and say, what are you doing? I don't need to turn over the shale. I don't need to turn over. My dad used to tell me when I would get in trouble, if, you, if you're not going to listen to what I'm telling you to do, you're going to have to go outside and turn over the shale in the driveway. I'm Not that he was really like, but the master was Looking for his next the third servant to come, and he was I could imagine, he's got his head down, and man, he saw what the other servants got. you know, maybe it's going to be okay. But he master calls him and says, "Where's what have you done?" And he said, "I knew you to be a hard man. How many of you have ever heard any excuses in your life? I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you. See what he's doing?" He's pointing the finger. And he said, I knew you to harvest where you hadn't reaped, or I knew you to harvest where you hadn't sown. And he starts listing them, and then he says, I was afraid. And I went, and I dug a hole, and I hid what was yours. See, the master entrusted the servants with it. See, God's entrusted each and every one of us with the gifts, the talents, and the abilities, and the resources, and everything in our lives. He's entrusted it. It's, it's, it's yours. Take possession of it. Take ownership of it. Take, be the person that God has called you to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Be you. Be who God has called you to be. And he looks, and he says, here's what is yours. And he hands it back to him. And what does the master say? you lazy and wicked servant. He said, take from what is this man's and give it to the man who has 10 talents. Be cast out from my presence. Be separated from me. No recognition, cut off, no more to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, I thought of no excuses because how many times in life Have we come up with excuses? How many times in life have I come up with excuses? Why? God, why? As I look over in 2015, what excuse have I come up with that I didn't accomplish what you wanted me to do? Why did I overlook that one person that you put in my life for a reason and a purpose? A man who was a business consultant did a survey on 110 executives to find out what the number one excuse was that they had received from their employees. You know what the number one excuse was? It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Who is it? It's someone else. It's not me, right? It's not my fault. The next one was, it's someone else's fault. Other excuses were, I didn't have time. There's, there were too many things to do. If my supervisor would have only known. We've all come up with excuses, right? But in this year, as we close out 2015, let there be no more excuses. There's three things that I want to focus on. I want to focus on overcoming the excuses. And the way that we do that is, first off, knowing that God has loved us. God has loved us with so much that God has given us. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4 and 8. It says, He who loves is of God because God is love. Right? He who loves is of God because God is love. God is love. Let us allow the presence of God. How many, I mean, we look around and I actually came across the most tweeted hashtag, the most Instagrammed hashtag is, guess what? Love. We're a society that wants love. We want people to appreciate us and accept us, and we want love. Far, far exceeding words like family, far exceeding words like great is the word hashtagged in social media's love. If we want the presence of love in our life, if we want to be in the presence of love, let us find ourselves in the presence of God who is love. And when we do that, listen, we can't fail. We can't fail. God doesn't want us to fail, and he won't let us fail if we will love as he's loved us. You know, Jesus was approached one day by a man who asked him, what could he do to enter the kingdom of God? And he said, well, how do you interpret it? And he said, to love God and to love your neighbor. And he said, go do it. Let us, let us this year find no more excuses for our love, right? Let us start and be faithful in the few things. In the few things, let us love Unconditionally as we've been unconditionally loved. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and 8 that love covers a multitude of sin. Where could we start with love? We could start right inside of our four walls of our home. We could start right here in this church and love one another. Not pointing the finger and making excuses of if that if she would just not have said that, if this person would just not have done that, if my boss wouldn't have done this. Let us just love and watch what God will do. When we love, God shows up because he is love. If you want God in our lives, let us start loving as he has loved us. The next thing I want you to think about is faith. Let us not make any more excuses this year in 2016 as we close out 2015 of our faith. Do you know the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 that we've all been given a measure of faith. Everybody say, whew. You can say, whew. We've all been given a measure of faith, each and every one of us. Well, what do you mean I've been given a measure of faith? Uh, it's kind of like this. Even the world has faith. We drive at a high rate of speed down a black paved road with two yellow lines in it, and that's going to keep the other person out of our lane, right? And at that high rate of speed, I put on my little cloth seatbelt to make sure that if we happen to hit, I'm going to stay in the car. The world has faith. We all have been given a measure of faith. Let us put our faith in God. See, David stood in front of a giant one day on a battlefield as a boy. And even his brothers and even the king doubted him. He probably even doubted himself. But he didn't doubt God. He stood there with a battle, on the battlefield, and he used what was in his hand. Even when he was given a sword and given armor, he used what he knew how to use best because his faith wasn't in his ability, but his faith was in the ability of God to show up. And even when the giant said, you're going to be, I'm going to defeat you. you. I'm a warrior, and I've been trained to kill people, and you send me this boy. What, if, what am I, a laughingstock? And the, what, does the, what does the boy say, David? He said, I'm here in the name of the living God, and today you're going to hit this battlefield. See, his faith wasn't in his ability to, to throw the stone. He knew he could do that. His faith was in the ability of God to do the miracle between the stone leaving his hand and hitting the giant. Let us put our faith in God. Let us put our faith in him. Even if it's a mustard seed, your race is against you. Your faith is not up against a pastor's faith or up against an evangelist's faith. or, faith or a, It's what God has measured to you. Let us in this year coming up in 2016 exhaust the faith that God has given us. That as we come to the end of 2016, we can look back and we can say, God, look what you've done and what you've allowed my hands to be put to. In our workplace, God wants to co-work with you in all that you do. As, you're, as you, Listen, what God has accomplished here at Influence Church is amazing. It is, it is absolutely stunning. You've only been in this building for 14 months. I don't even know how I got here, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm fasting and praying, and this gentleman, Pastor Phil, calls me, and we talk, and he invites me to come on board, and I love your vision. I love our vision. Amen? Influence the influenced influencers. As you individuals working with children are rocking those babies and working with them, I want you to see that God's gonna use that. Oh, we're just watching kids. No, your faith extend your faith and allow god to do something in these infants as they're in these rooms and these elementary kids as they're worshiping and learning about god and and these youth rooms as as the youth are worshiping and learning about god let us use all that we have exhausting everything that we've got with our faith knowing that god's going to partner with it and accomplish what only he can do in and through us he's looking for some people who will just say god here am i send me send me into my school, into my community, into my workplace, into my home, with my wife, with my husband, send me. Let me love and let me exhaust the faith that you've given me. Though it may be a mustard seed, what, the, what does the Bible say? If you will use it, God will grow it and it will become the largest tree in the garden. Mustard seed, let us trust God with it. Lastly, real quick, resources. Let us use every resource that God has given us. Let us use every resource. You know, as we think of the servant, the servants who had the talents, you know, imagine if your bank account every day, every day before you woke up at 12 a.m., there was deposited into your bank account $86,400 every day. And you could do with it whatever you wanted to do in 24 hours. But at the end of that 24 hours, withdrawn from your bank account would be the remaining balance. And at 12 a.m. deposited another $86,400 into your bank account. And you had to do with it whatever you wanted to do that day. You know, at, at, at the beginning, it may be fun, right? You may be thinking, wow, sports car, or, whoa, this or that. Or, but pretty soon that stuff's going to become void and empty and meaningless. Maybe you would start to think, well, what could we do to impact our community or make a difference? And so then all of a sudden you start making meaningful purchases with this wow, once I've affected the area around me, what can I do to my state or for my country? And you start thinking of even more. But I want you to think, you are deposited into your life every day, 86,400 seconds. Every day. What are the things that are consuming our time? Psalms 90 says, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me, O Lord, to number my days, that I don't squander them. You know, as I sat there this Christmas with our kids and with Erica, my wife, and opening my presents and all of that stuff, all of these things flashing back, and God, even this year, I thank you for what you've done in the past. God, but in 2016, as I close out 2015, God, in 2016, teach me to number my days, that I won't take for granted the time that you've given me. The time that we wake up and our feet hit the floor and we take a breath of air and we realize that God has given us another day. Lord, help me to be mindful and help me to be intentional about everything that I do. That you, God, can be glorified in it. This race that you've set before me to run, help me to endure in it. Laying aside all of that stuff that tries to weigh us down and slow us down. You know, I get it, I get life. I'm an Instagram person, I'm a social media person, but God, help me to keep it in check, right? There's nothing wrong with those things. The world needs to see what God's doing in your life. Post up a picture of it. Right? But let us be mindful, God of There's nothing wrong with There's nothing wrong with rest and relaxation. I'm so I'm so honored that Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy got to go hang out with their family. Do those things. But God, help us to keep all things in check and balance. There's nothing wrong with working, but you can work too much, right? There's nothing wrong with it's the balance of it. God, help in the time that you've been giving us, the time that you've given us in a day, help us to be mindful of all of it. All of it. 2015, as we close it out, let us take inventory of what God has done. Let us take even inventory of the things where we wish we could do over. Maybe a restart, right? A restart. You know, Jesus was approached by a man by the Nicodemus one day, and he Nicodemus said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, be born again. And Nicodemus was like, what? What am I supposed to go back into the womb? I'm a grown man. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You need to be born of the spirit. See, we were born in the flesh. We all have a flesh birthday, right? We all have a birthday and that's your day. It's all about you. The presents are only for you. But we have to have a spiritual birthday and that's what Jesus was talking about. See, as we go through 2016, God, help us to be mindful of the spiritual things. Help us to be mindful of the things that you're wanting to do through your Holy Spirit in a human person, in an earthen vessel. Paul said, we are earthen vessels filled with the glory of God. The amazing thing is, weakness is the stage in which God wants to perform on. Your weaknesses, The things that you look over last year and you think, wow, or this year, I wish I could just do that over again. Man, I just, I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid to, listen, the weaknesses are the stage that God wants to perform on. But you know what sets the program is your faith. Once your faith is in him, the actors of glory, the glory of God and the power of God come onto your stage and start performing. No more excuses this year. All things new. Let us, as we start into a new year, 2016, God do something in each and every one of us that we would only hope, dream, or imagine of because that's exactly what he wants to do. He says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has even entered into your imagination what God has prepared for you. Let us believe for that in our lives. What an amazing opportunity that we have here at Influence Church to watch God do that in this place, but in each and every one of our hearts and in our lives and in the influences that we have in the life around us. Amen? Can we all stand to our feet real quick? And maybe if you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads for just a second, maybe as the band's coming, you were thinking about 2015 and Maybe you're in this place today and as you look over the year 2015, maybe it's full of things that you wish would have been different. Maybe you find yourself here today and you're even asking yourself the question, how did I get here? What am I doing here? I was invited by this person. But as you've been here today, God has encountered you. the kingdom of heaven is in this place among us the presence of God is in this place and it's among us to encounter you as Pastor Phil even said on Christmas Eve maybe you've sensed the face of God looking towards you maybe you thought maybe you have avoided church because you always have this misconstrued idea that God was out to get you but he's not he wants to love on you and he wants to activate, he wants your faith to be activated in him. He wants to help you in every resource and in every area and aspect of your life, but it takes you turning towards him. He's only, he only comes to a place where he's invited. He doesn't invite himself in. He's done all that he can do by sending his only begotten son. By sending his Holy Spirit, he's done and made a way for each and every one of us here today. And so maybe you would be that person that would say, you know what? I want to give my life to God today. I want to give my life to God today. We're going to go into a song, but real quick, if that's you this morning, if you would say, you know what? I don't want to go through 2016 without God. I don't want to go apart from God. I want God to be with me. I want God to go with me. That's me. Would you pray with me this morning? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. I don't wanna live with any more excuses. I don't wanna live with any more doubt or fear or worry. I wanna know that God is going with me and that God is for me. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. All over this room, if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air saying, that's me, I wanna give my life to God. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. No more excuses. No more excuses in 2016. And maybe this morning, if you're in this place and you threw your hand up in the air, I want you to pray this prayer along with me and along with every person in this room that believes. Let's pray. Father, in heaven, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who loved me, who died for me, who made a way so that I can live with no excuses. Jesus Christ, I am yours. I give you my life. Amen. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you for this day. God, I pray for each and every person that's in this place, Lord, that we would live in 2016 with no more excuses. No more excuses, God, but that you would accomplish in each and every one of us what you have intended and what your purpose is for us, Lord God. That we would go away from this place, Lord, with a sense of your presence, with a sense of you, God, going with us, Lord. We thank you, we love you, and we worship you in Christ Jesus' name.